Fantastic. Well, today we are looking at putting faith into action. Does that sound a little bit exciting? Putting faith into action. Indeed, we've been looking at our series on faith, and we started by going, faith is. What, what is it? Faith is when you don't actually have the ability to see something with your natural eyes, but you see it as a reality. It's something that you're believing God for. You choose to believe God. It's the substance of things hoped for. You don't have it yet, but you know by faith it's real. It's coming. And then we looked at faith in, that it's not just faith, oh, you know, I'm just believing for it. It's faith in Jesus. It's faith in our God. And then we looked at faith for. What do we believe God for? What are we going to Him in faith for? And then that brings us to our final week, which is today, faith to. Faith to action. Faith to living a life that just doesn't have a faith, but has a faith which is lived out. Now, let me just make a comment before we dive in. Maybe you're a first-time guest here today, or you've just been coming a little bit, and today I'm going to be talking about people exercising their faith by sharing their faith. So this is a brilliant week for our guests to be in because it's like we're letting you in the engine room. You're seeing what it's all about, that when you've got a relationship with Jesus, you kind of can't help. If you, if you love people, if you like people, if you want people to have the best possible life they can have, you can't but help to let them know about how they can have a relationship themselves with Jesus. And so you're going to be hearing all about that today, which I'm really excited about. So let's pray, and then we will get into it this morning. Father, we give you this time, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each one of us. Let this not be just another message, but let it be a new day in our lives. Let it be a new day in this location. And as this message is being brought across our 11 locations, let it be a new day in our church of seeing people and bringing them into a relationship with you. We ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're looking this morning at the action, the steps, the life that is born out of a life of faith. And if you're going to look at that, there's a particular Bible book where a guy just gets actually pretty darned in your face about it. And that's the book of James. Has anyone heard James talk about faith and action? Right? He, that's what, he, what he, he, he really gets into. In fact, probably a little bit angsty. James was the brother of Jesus, not the apostle, but the brother of Jesus. And when he talks about faith and works, then he says some pretty strong things. And when the Bible talks about works, just think these words, actions and deeds. Right? So when we're saying faith and works, it's faith and actions and deeds. What we actually do, if faith's that inner thing, works is how it's expressed, the outer thing that people would see. So let's get straight into what James says, James 2.14. He says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? 
If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed, lacking daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, just in case you didn't get it, a few verses further on in verse 26, James is at it again. Look at what he says this time. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. Don't know if you've ever seen a dead body. I have. And there is no life. The spirit is departed. And James is trying to say that if we say we've got faith, but it's not being lived out, that that faith is actually something which God would consider to be dead. Pretty strong words. Now, part of the world where Amanda and I spend a lot of time is in East Africa. In East Africa, on any given Sunday, over 60% of people will rock up and attend church. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's about 5% here in Sydney, just in case you're wanting to compare. Over 60%. And yet, some of those nations are listed as the most corrupt on planet Earth. Crime rates high. All sorts of dysfunction and challenges. Because so many people have not joined the dots, they think it's all about attending church rather than having a faith that actually changes the way you live. And so in C3 in East Africa, what the big thing for us is we're joining the dots. Faith is not about attending church. Faith is about living out this life. So people look at our life and go, I want to know the Jesus you know. It's a really big thing. So the Bible says some pretty wild things about this, but I want to make something super clear. It is not saying that the way that we get to know Jesus is by works or the way we have eternal life is by works, or the way that we're forgiven by of our sins is by works. Now, the Bible says something pretty different, and, not, and I just want to mention this before we keep diving in. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, they say, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. It's not a result of works. That's pretty clear, isn't it? It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. So what that is saying is that the gift of eternal life, the gift of being forgiven of our sins, the gift of knowing God, that is by grace. That word grace means that it is an undeserved gift. And how do we apprehend that undeserved gift? Well, it's by faith, where you say, Jesus, I believe you died for me, that you took my sins, and I believe you're my Savior. And when we do that, then he gives us this beautiful gift of eternal life and knowing him. That's cool, huh? But look what verse 10 says. It then says, for we are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ for good works which God prepared beforehand and that we should walk in them. You see, you don't work to get to heaven. You receive it as a gift. But when you know what it is to know Jesus, when you walk daily with His goodness and grace, when you realize the magnitude of His love that He would die for us, 
you don't work to get to heaven. You've already just said thank you very much. But you live a life of works and deeds and actions because it's the only possible way that you could say thank you, thank you, thank you God. That's why we live for Him. So I just wanted to make sure that we understand that before we get into looking further at these works. I loved hearing the story this morning of a healing. Jesus heals. Jesus is not bound by the natural. He created all, so He is a supernatural God. And when Jesus said something about the works you and I would do, He said something pretty wild. Listen to this, John 14, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you. Now, if Jesus is like saying, hey, guys, 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 listen, listen, listen. He goes, truly, truly. Right? If he's wanting your attention, you'll go, hartly, hartly. Because sometimes he goes, Mary, Mary, and Martha, Martha. So this is one of those, hey, guys, here's a big one. What does he say? Whoever believes in me will also do the works I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. So when Jesus came to this earth, he did the actions and the deeds that were a part of the mission his Father gave him. And he, he did it all. He completed the job. When he said it's finished, it wasn't a word of defeat, it was a word of victory. I did what you gave me to do. Then he went to the Father, but he's done a baton change. And he's done a baton change with this extraordinary crew. They're known as the church. And he's done this baton change to do the actions and the deeds of God in the world today. And you see, when we believe him, it's not just that we limp along and, 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 and make it just from day to day and get crawl in here on Sunday for another boost. Oh no, we do the actions and the deeds that will glorify God because he's given us his Holy Spirit to enable us to do them. And the amazing, amazing, amazing thing, we might think, well, wow, does that mean that we can pray for people and that they might be healed? Exactly, exactly. Can we pray for people and they will experience God do something in their world like a miracle? Yes, that's exactly what he meant. But you know something? That's not the biggest work. That's not the biggest miracle. When you look at what Jesus did on the earth, the thing he counted as the most significant was a changed life when someone came into relationship with him that is the biggest look at how he says it in Matthew 9 verse 36 and we'll read through to 38 when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus was looking at the greatest work. 
He was looking at a harvest of people who, if they could hear what he had done for them, if they could know the love of God for them, that they would respond to that. And he was saying, look at this. This is the greatest work that we can be involved in. Let's pray and get involved in this work of bringing people into relationship with Christ. This is the greatest work. So we've looked at faith and works. Let's look now at our faith in action. About one and a half years ago, actually, no, it was two years ago, Amanda and I were uh, traveling from Entebbe in Uganda to Addis Ababa in Ethiopia, as you do. And it's not a big airport, there's four gates, and we were going into gate four, and we were flying Ethiopian that day, and, and generally if you're, you're there, you'll see um, uh, lots and lots of Africans, some Chinese business people, Indian business people, a few people that are uh, from the white Western world, and you know, it's just this great group of people from everywhere, love it. And there was this white guy in khaki clothes. Khaki, khaki, depends on how you know what I'm saying, right? Like army colored stuff. And, and he had big boots on and he looked like he'd been out in the sun a lot. He, he, he had, you know, the, that weather-worn face and he was sitting there and he's looking at me and, he's, and he went, he goes like this, big smile and a nod. And I thought, do I know you? I don't think I know you. Okay, and so I just nodded back and came on through security and then uh, once we got in there we, we, our call came to get on the plane and, and so we went in that direction and as we stood up I saw him over there and he went like that at me and I went back and, and, and we got on the plane, Amanda was on the window, I was in the middle and uh, guess who's got the seat next to me? And uh, so he sits down, we sh- and I, I, I always just want to, I'm, I'm, I'm just incuriously curable about people. I just, I just want to hear what are they doing and where they're from. So I just said, hi, I'm Pat, nice to meet you, Ian, Ian. And, and Ian, had a, he had a bit of a Scottish accent, he was from, he was from Scotland. <laughs> and we found out that he was working in southern Sudan. All right, who's been on a holiday to southern Sudan? Anyone, anyone? Right, you don't go on a holiday to southern Sudan. It is a tough part of the world. But he was there uh, with a timber operation, harvesting timber. And so it was one of those uh, high-risk, potentially high-profit operations, real adventurous guy. And he was going to Addis to meet his girlfriend. So we found out about the story and we we took off. We're chatting for a while. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, um, man, when I get to Addis, we've got some meetings with people who are wanting to find out about C3 Church. I'd better prepare so we chatted for a while and I said, well, lovely chatting to Ian. I'm just going to do a bit of uh, preparation of some of my stuff. And I pulled out my computer, opened it up, started tapping away. And I just felt that beautiful, still small voice of the Holy Spirit go, Pat, what on earth are you doing? There's a guy next to you. I've arranged this. Why not keep chatting? So I folded up my Mac, put it in the seat in front. And I said, so Ian, tell me more about your story, man. And we kept chatting. I found out that there was a group of nuns who knew the Lord. They were serving Jesus in southern Sudan and they were really kind to Ian. And 
he had seen Jesus in them, but he just didn't know what that all meant. And I said, you know what, Ian? I wonder if this is what you might call a God appointment, that he arranged for us to sit together and he goes, I've been wondering the same thing. That's what I thought. But when you got your computer out, I thought it wasn't going to happen. And then I just said, well, you know what? The, I think Jesus has arranged this so you can actually have a relationship with him. And if you like, we can pray right now. And he goes, I'd like that. And so I said, just say this after me. And, and Amanda's next to us seeing this all happen, just praying for us. And and I just led him in a prayer that asked Jesus to come into his life. And he's this tough Scottish guy and these big tears are going down his eyes. And, and he prayed the prayer. And then afterwards he goes, I'd just like to apologize, Pat, for crying. <laughs> and he came to Christ. And it was just... <clears throat> it was just one of those moments that if our eyes are open to it, they're all around us. And I, I, I love the story when you see Jesus walk into one of those with a Samaritan woman. And he breaks all the rules. Because as a rabbi, you don't talk to a woman. And as a Jew, you don't talk to a Samaritan. You just, you just don't. It's culturally inappropriate, rabbi. But Jesus kind of, when there were things in the way of people, he would just charge on through. And this woman pushed back, she was feisty, but he let her know that he knew everything about her and loved and accepted her still. Her reaction, ah, oh, I've got to get the whole village to come out and hear this. She takes off, just as she takes off, the disciples arrive and they're going, hello, what's happening here? Rabbi, have you been doing naughty things again? Talking to a woman, what's going on? But they didn't say anything. And they go, okay, uh, Rabbi, um, do you want something to eat? And this is how he responds. Verse 32 of John 4. But he said to them, I have food to eat you know nothing about. And his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? And he goes, hey, guys, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I've sent you to reap what you've not worked for and others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. I love this. It's all about, firstly, just seeing. You just see differently. You can go to work and just see work. You can talk to your neighbor over the back fence and just see a neighbor over the back fence. But when we pray, we see people differently. Sometimes our enemy, our adversary, can have us intimidated. We can think, oh, Sydney's hard. People are hard, they're not open to the gospel. People don't, don't like the church, the church is getting a bad rap and all that sort of stuff. And so we can be intimidated about seeing people as being ready to hear some of the best news 
they could ever hear in their existence. We may not see it, but when we pray, the power of God helps us to overcome that intimidation and we begin to see people who indeed were created to be in relationship with Him, were created to know Him, are yearning for it, but they just don't know how to get there. And that we are able to help them discover that. So He says that our eyes can be opened. And then He says, you know what? It's just about doing what you can to reap and to sow. Sometimes we put all this pressure on ourselves that, okay, if I share the gospel with someone, they've got to become a Christian there and then. No, just enjoy the journey. Sometimes you sow friendship. You sow being kind. You sow being interested. You sow being a good listener. You just sow. Now, we don't know what's going to happen with that, but God does. You just sow and you sow and you sow. And then sometimes we get to reap. Now, some beautiful nuns in South Sudan, they'd been sowing for years. I just rocked up and reaped. But you just got to be open to when that's what God is doing. And so Amanda and I, and, and I, can, I can say this without any sense whatsoever of, of um, self-aggrandizement or saying, we are not wired as evangelists. You know, people like Nicola Gibb who just goes, so easy. I just go, Nicola. For the rest of us, it's not. <clears throat> but when you pray, it changes. And we've been praying. In fact, let me just show you a, a photo that you can see from my backyard. Um, we'll pop that up there. So our backyard's got no back fence and we've got a bushland reserve behind us. And can you see that rock sort of in the middle right up the top? That's prayer rock, right? The council think they own it, but it actually belongs to my family. And when you go up there, what you can see is this. <clears throat> That's the view of our, our neighborhood. And, and if you go right to the end of prayer rock and look down, what you see is this next one where you can see where David and Colette live and their family and you can see where Mel and Jamie just moved in and we go up there and we just pray for our neighborhood and David and Colette, have, they've come to church twice and we just invite them and I'm, I'm just interested. I ask them how the family is. I keep up with what's happening and, and so when we ask, it's not from a lack of relationship there's already relationship there. And then on the other side, uh, Jamie and Mel. Jamie is a, this massive Samoan guy. He's awesome. And uh, he's married Mel from Newport. And they've got five kids. And they've just moved in. And they moved from Queensland. And uh, one of the neighbors complained about the noise of their kids. Their landlord has been given, just being rotten to them, just being a dirty, rotten scoundrel. And uh, we just went in with a little bag of goodies. Welcome to your new neighborhood. And Mel cried. <laughs> and we just got to sit down and talk. And, and, it's, and it's not like we go there and then, hey, you guys, do you want to accept Jesus? No, we're just enjoying this beautiful journey. And, and sometimes I'm, I'm on a mission. I get pretty focused. I come home, I'm pulling some weeds out. I've got something to do. I see Jamie up there and I go, little self-talk, Pat, go and have a chat to Jamie. 
Alrighty, let's do this thing. And we go. And it's just an awesome, wonderful, wonderful journey. And it's something, it changes the way you get up in the morning. It changes the way you go to work. Do you need to be extraordinary? No, Jesus is extraordinary. All we need to do is pray and enjoy the journey of letting people see Jesus in us. And they will see him, not by being extraordinary, but just by being loving and kind. It's his kindness that leads people to turn around their life and start following Jesus. So we've entered a whole new season of this. Recently, we refinanced our mortgage. Sounds like a whole lot of fun, but took us months. It was a really big deal. And our our mortgage broker, he's uh, from a different faith. And he uh, really identifies with that faith. And we were having a good talk and I said, you know, I think your family would really enjoy our church. And he immediately says, I can't go to church, I'm from another faith. And we said, you know what, our church actually is for people from your faith to come along and be our special guest. We love people from your faith. And he went, huh. Next day, got a text. I feel like I didn't respond well to your kind invitation. My family and I would love to come. And, and came and enjoyed it. And we talked after church about everything that happened in church. And it's still a journey, but it's awesome. And, and so when we live a life like this, y- you're, not, you're not living a life where you're thinking, oh, it's just about the stuff that comes and goes. You're, you're seeing the value of people who God designed to know Him And you're looking for the work the Holy Spirit's already doing in someone's life because He is already doing stuff. And when you pray, God, open my eyes, He shows you someone you can relate to. Now, sometimes it's not that obvious because they can be really feisty. But often people are really feisty because they're grappling with it. Because they're trying to work out what it's all about. And as we just love people, then we begin to see hearts open and we can do this beautiful journey with people. So my conclusion today is pray that God will open our eyes. Pray in your connect group and support each other. Who are you reaching out to and work? Right, let's believe in prayer for that person. Let's believe in prayer for your family member. Let's believe together. So you see sometimes with family members they've they're family members. <laughs> And you need someone else to add their faith to yours for them. But when they do, you can start seeing things like your Father in heaven sees them. And it just means that we do things different. And then enjoy the journey. Amen? This, did I just describe something which is onerous and difficult? Oh no, it's awesome and it's fun. And God has equipped us with the Holy Spirit to be able to do this. You see, church is on the planet to do the purpose of God. And His purpose is that the people on this planet that don't know Him will, because He's preparing a really big party for them. And He just wants to make sure that everyone who should be there is there. He fills us with His Spirit. And He anoints us so that we can enjoy this journey. You know, when the Holy Spirit anoints you, 
actually go from things where you feel like you're in deficit and not good at it to becoming really good at it. That's crazy. Because I'm not like Nicola Gibb. I'm not, I'm not evangelist-wired. I'm a pastor-teacher. But when I say, God, open my eyes and help me, I'm not limited by the natural. I can do stuff I can't do. Like talk to people and be kind and be interested and see if they're ready for the Holy Spirit to bring them in the kingdom. And if, if they're not and they're still on the journey, I've helped them to go from minus eight to minus five. And they're still going on that journey. And I've done my bit and someone else will bump into them in the right place and help them to know Jesus. What an extraordinary...